Hello and hey there! Welcome to the Top 5 Podcast, a show where we rank and discuss any list you can imagine. Best childhood trend? Top gaming consoles? Best blenders? Nothing is off limits. Everyone is wrong, even when they think they are right. I'm your host, Eric Shane, and with me as always is... Zachary Rancourt. Zachary Rancourt, how are you, sir? I'm doing pretty well. Not not too shabby. Yeah. I can't complain. I have a microphone issue, so if I talk louder than I normally do, then I apologize. I don't know what's going on with it. Sounds I promise weird. you, I promise you, you sound fine, and our audience will forgive you. Uh, it's not just uh, it's not just what how you say; it's what you say for this particular episode. That's going to it's going to get you judged. Okay, cool. Well, uh, it works for me. Well, also joining us today, as always, is Mister Tom Lockhart. Tommy, how you doing, brother? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I watched the first 20 minutes of Dirty Work because Norm Macdonald died today. Mm, that's I know, depressing. Man. So, yeah, that's all I could fit in before the podcast. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of hard news, you know, today and in the world lately. You know, turns out that Dan Quayle saved democracy and Norm <laughs> Macdonald died. I mean, it's just it's just weird. So, Ugh. you know, when it comes to weird times like this, I like to sort of drift away into something else, you know. You know what I like to watch, guys? What? Sports, 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 sports. Oh boy. I am excited to talk sports with you guys. I've been waiting since I joined this podcast to talk sports. Who doesn't love the captivating performances we see from the greatest athletes in the world? The best humankind has to offer. It seems like everything is a sport nowadays, uh, from football and baseball to basketball to luge to, oh, what was the one we were talking about? The curling. Yes, curling is a sport. I love curling. It makes it an amazing time to experience some pretty legendary sports moments. But which ones are the best? Well, we are here to find out and discuss our top five sports moments, both personal and external, are optional. To enhance the discussion, we didn't share our lists with each other, and by no means are we experts or historians in said category, though we are pretty close. We are just a few dudes who like to talk about nonsense. So, Thomas, hit me. What is oh. the top? What's your first sports moment? Well, my first two are going to be personal ones, and my first one's okay. going to be in high school, but let's give some background into Tom's sports life. Oh, S- let's do this. Started in peewee football, and those right. first- Much of which, <laughs> disclaimer, much of which I was there for. So. You were there for, and for the first couple years of peewee football, I played the glorious position of tight end. Hell which, yeah, you did. Which in peewee football is slightly smaller left tackle. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, didn't run for passes. I blocked, and that's what I did. And then one glorious year between fifth and sixth grade, I went from being four foot six to being six feet tall. I was Mm -hmm. a giant among everyone. And in my last year of peewee football, I was just throwing kids to the ground. It was so easy. I thought that I was going to be the greatest football player ever. <laughs> you you were pretty good, though. I'll give you some credit, some love. You were pretty good. I was pretty good. Um, and then middle school, I was like the backup running back and a linebacker. And then when I got to high school, I played wing back. And most people probably don't know what a wing back is because not a lot of teams run the wing T formation. But the wing right. back is is like a wide receiver who stands like off the tackle and like in the backfield like a yard. It's a it's a weird thing and you you either run past routes or you do reverses. 
and that's what this first one is for me. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, just to clarify, the wing T is a turn of the century (laughs) offense uh, that we were playing at the turn of the 21st century, not the turn of the 20th century. Yeah. Uh, So continue. We we were good in Snohomish. Um, So it was, it was the first game of the year and it was the third quarter. Um, It was a tie ball game and the quarterback was trying to get the signals from the coach on the sidelines and he couldn't. I can't remember the quarterback's name. I think his first name was Chris. I don't know anything besides that. That sounds right. Um, Yeah. And he came back to the huddle and he said, I can't tell what the hell he's trying to tell me. So he just looked at his little wrist thing and he called the reverse to me. Awesome. Sure. And I ran for a 64 yard touchdown on this (laughs) reverse. It was great. Right. I didn't have to do anything. That was freshman year where That's at right. Snohomish, we had a, a freshman campus. So we had a freshman team that would play yep. all the JV teams who have all the grades of eh, kind of not as good players, but they'd still be yeah. like seniors against freshmen. Yeah. Um, so, so our record was awesome. We actually, we only lost one game that year, <laughs> uh, which I'll tell you that story in a second. Um, so on this reverse, it was one of those beautiful reverses where no one is even anywhere near my side of the field. It was just go to the sidelines and run down them. But there was a cornerback who was on the other side of the play. And that guy was really fast because he, <laughs> he caught up from like 20 yards away from me and oh, tackled me as I was going into the end zone. It almost didn't score a touchdown. Oh man. He pulled but a DK that on was you. My one touchdown I scored. <laughs> that year yeah and it was glorious i seem to now, remember was that at the snowmish high school though <laughs> i'm trying uh, to remember no, if that, that one was at theirs that game was at marysville pilchuck okay i remember being on the sideline with old joel kennedy just going absolutely ape as you mm-hmm. took off around the corner there so i do remember I that remember i was trying to remember if it was I freshman own- or sophomore year I got very close to a concussion because when they came to celebrate with me, one of the linemen came up and he headbutted me and I had to just stand mm. on the sidelines for a while. Like might I'm getting hurt by my own players here. It might've been me. <laughs> it could have been. been. It might've been uh, me. I think so, it was me. Sorry. So t- to make it sound like I'm not all that great, I'll go to my worst thing that happened also. I think like two games later, they did a reverse, but we were on like the 10 yard line and the quarterback like got tackled and handed the ball off to my thigh and we fumbled it. And then instead of diving on top of it, I tried to pick it up and then I got tackled and I actually knocked the ball into the end zone. They recovered it and scored a touchdown. So that, that is my other great play. (laughs) Well, you know, I, I I think I speak for the entire audience when I say thank you for sharing that very personal and uh, deeply important moments of your adolescence with us. Mm hmm. I mean, so Tom, what would, what would you call that then? How would you how how am I gonna how am I gonna write that down? Would that be called Tom's sweep? Tom's Tom's run? Re- Tom's reverse or Tom's glory? <laughs> uh, Tom's glory hole? <laughs> oh, I like that. Okay, yeah, Tom jet sweep. Cool, that's yeah. very good. All right, well, I guess I'm gonna <laughs> Tom's glory. I'm gonna go. Okay, well, you know, I am going to go to more of a professional sports on this one. I'm going to talk uh, something a little different because, uh, you know, I got personal memories on here too, but I want to kind of go back and forth a little bit. I'm going to talk about something that uh, happened when uh, we were kids, uh, baseball moment. 
when we were kids, the best pitcher in baseball was Nolan Ryan. He was a legend. He had been around since the 60s. He was the icon. He is, to this day, he has thrown more strikeouts than any other human being who has ever lived. And it's not particularly close. The number two on the list, I think, is Randy Johnson. And he's like 800 strikeouts behind him. Um, Nolan Ryan's ahead just crazily. But that's not the memory that I'm picking. I am picking top first top sports moment here. Nolan Ryan putting Robin Ventura in a headlock and beating the ever-loving <laughs> shit out of him. It's <laughs> one of my favorite moments ever. I love that moment. Because it was just, Robin Ventura was born the year Nolan Ryan started pitching in Major League Baseball. Okay? And there's a whole background to, you know, the little bit, little bit back and forth and that led up to this. This didn't just fall out of the clear blue sky, okay? It never, ever does there are unwritten rules in baseball, and I guess Ventura broke one of them or something. Maybe he crossed the mound at one point when he's running back to the dugout or something. I don't know. Point is, he he just he you know a ball got away from Ryan. It it you know Ventura tried to get out of the way. It hit him in the back of the arm, right in the fatty part of the arm, tricep. Wasn't that big of a deal. He starts running the first base, and then he just stops and cuts up towards uh, uh, the pitcher mound. Ryan just kept Nolan Ryan at this point. He is 40 some odd years old and he's been pitching for 30 years. He drops his glove, sticks both hands out, grabs his head, pulls it in under his left arm into a headlock and just pow, 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 haymakers and uppercuts like six hits to the top. Pudge Rodriguez is like a, a new player. He's been in the league like three years, you know, on his hall of fame career. He's running up going, Oh, God, no one's going to kill him. Runs up and grabs Ventura. They all fall over. The dugout's clear. It's just bananas. There have been many, many fights in sports. Football, baseball, hockey, obviously legendary. None more so than this. This is crazy. This was a crazy moment that is just, it's it stuck with me forever. I love it. I love that Nolan Ryan beat the whole loving fuck out of Robin Ventura. So, <laughs> that's my number two. That's my number one. Oh, that's so good. I, I I know that exact like video of because he doesn't like pull back or anything. He's not like like nowadays, like someone will throw like a punch and kind of go backwards so that they're getting yeah, out no. of the fight. He's no, like, no no, 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 this is happening. You're coming at me. No, old man went to scrap. <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah. Well, yeah. And is- I mean, th- those times, I mean, a lot of times you'll see people getting fights, uh, baseball games, and it's it's more just pushing and shoving and puffing out the chest. But that sure. clearly he, he knew what he was doing. He knew how to deescalate it pretty quick and <laughs> go, go for the headlock. Yeah. It's, it's just, that's one of the most iconic images of a 30 year pitching career of him mm-hmm. just having this kid in a headlock beating the fuck out of a wall. Pudge is like, no, it's yeah. great. So R- Rob anyway. Ventura, Ventura had no business uh, charging the mound. No. And he, Hey, listen, Ventura went to have a long and celebrated career. Um, but he never did anything, anything mm-hmm. as important as getting his ass kicked. <laughs> he did nothing more important than catching that ass kicking from Nolan Ryan. So right Zachary, what is your number one? Um. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to go to baseball also for mine. I'm going to go back to the year uh, 1995, October 8th, 1995, to be specific. And the Seattle Mariners were playing the New York Yankees in the ALDS. Uh, and it was a tied series, 2-2. Winner goes on to the ALCS, 
Uh, Mariners had Joey Cora and Ken Griffey Jr. on base, first and second, respectively. And then Edgar Martinez, a little man from Puerto Rico, comes up named Edgar Martinez, and he smashes a double down the left field line. Griffey rounds third. He's They're waving him in. He comes home, and he slides, and the Mariners win in the 11th inning, 3-2. to two. And they go on to the ALCS to get beat, but that's okay because it was still one of the most greatest experiences ever watching it on TV um, at the Kingdom. So the 95 slide, what it's called here in Seattle, and us, uh, sports, uh, us Washington sports fans, um, yeah, we it just was one of those. Double. It was one of those. That, the doubles, uh, one of them too. But uh, yeah. you know, Edgar's double. But I, I, you know, the ninety-five slide is another one too. But yeah. um, it basically was uh, just this amazing moment, and you know, Dave Niehaus's call was incredible. Uh, it was just a, 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 a moment in our history, and something in mind that will live forever. Uh, the Mariners are very special to me, even though you know they aren't the best every year. Um, but we're we're getting back, so. The, the double. Yeah, there we go. That's mine. Uh, I don't think I've ever not like teared up while watching the video. Like I'll just yeah. watch it every once in a while and it gets me choked up every time. Oh, it's be- oh that's that smile at the bottom of the pile. Like, oh, yeah. Griffey, Griffey, just un, just complete <laughs> and unaltered, unadulterated joy. As a matter of fact, I, I was remembering that knee house that, you know, RIP, that great call is, you know, Cora, Joey Cora was coming around. He said, here comes Joey. And it sounded like he's saying, here comes Joey. And I guess they're both right. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was, it, <laughs> I was going to say something sarcastic. Like, really, do we ever reference that up here in Seattle? That's like the most important Mariners moments of all time. And there's been some great ones. I mean, they've had 2001 was a really good year, but the 95 season was the most magical uh, in the Mariners history. Never, never won the world series, never even been to the world series. So it's kind of like, you know, well, and here's the here's the thing about baseball is, is I will argue this tooth and nail. I will die on this hill. Um, Seattle is a baseball town. Uh, yeah, I know. I know we love the Seahawks. You know, we love the storm. We love the Sonics. We love the Sounders and everything and probably the Kraken. But Seattle's through and through a baseball town. And there were almost a million people at the parade when the Seahawks won the Super Bowl 2013. But I guarantee you it will easily be over a million and then some if they're uh, if the Mariners ever make it to the World Series and, and win. And I should say when they make it to the World Series and win. Yeah. And I really hope to see that in my lifetime. But um, I know that there is literally it's a blank check. If the Mariners ever made it to hosted a World Series game that they were in, I would pay whatever amount to see them. So it's um this city just rises up for their sports teams, but no more so than the Mariners. Uh any game you go to, you can see we could have a bad season, but people still will go and people still actively cheer. And yeah, tickets are you know m- way more affordable, but people are still way into it. And this is, yeah, through and through, this is a baseball city. I, I can't disagree with that. I mean, yeah, we're also known for soccer and football and I guess hockey as well, because look, you saw how many season tickets were sold from the Kraken. And the WNBA, you know. the Storm are like one of the greatest teams of all time. They have like the four sun, championships. The, yeah, you can't, you know, basketball, we're a great basketball, to, all told, we're a great sports town. We do rally behind our teams when they're really, really good. And even when they're really bad, a lot of people still show up. So um, you're right. The Mariners, if and when they ever do win the World Series, this town is going to go ballistic. You're absolutely right. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's great, Tom. What's your uh, what's your next one? Or did well, you kind of do a two for there? No, no. I'm gonna. So I'm going okay. to. Uh, I'm gonna 
push my other personal one to the next one and just stick with baseball. I figured might as well just go three in a row baseball. Um, go for it. So back when I was nine years old, Griffey had been hitting a lot of home runs in consecutive games. He was up to seven. And my dad had won tickets from Boeing to go to the mm. game. And I went to that game and I had no clue what was going on. Like, I didn't know that he was like on a streak of seven in a row. Can he hit eight? But he did hit eight. And the place went crazy. And I'm just a little kid, just like, yay, baseball. <laughs> All right. I, I didn't know until like the future that that's what was going on. <laughs> Um, but it was, it's a great childhood moment of just going to the baseball game and watching history, just seeing Griffey hit his eighth home run in consecutive games is part of my life. And I, I love the fact that I got to be there that night, even though I had no clue. <laughs> well, that's still, still really good. I mean, yeah, that was, I mean, that's one of the most important moments in Seattle sports history for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, happy. I'm glad you were part of that. And I haven't been in person to anything particularly like a real historic sports moment, uh, whether it be Mariners or Seahawks. I haven't had the chance to see one of those. I've, I've known people who were there for um, some other stuff, like you just said. But yeah, yeah, I think that'll actually lead me into my next one because I almost spoiled it. Um, I know people who were there at the Seahawks game for the Beast Quake. The Beast Quake is, uh, <laughs> how do we set the scene for this one? The Beast Quake. It's 2010. The Seahawks, they they just got Pete Carroll. They had just been terrible the year before with uh, Jim Morris, their coach. Um, you know, they brought in Pete Carroll, a lot of questions as to, you know, was this going to work at the NFL level? And when they won, they won. And when they lost, I think every game they lost that year in 2010, it was a blowout. So it's like, how good are they really? They were trying to find themselves. It was the last year Hasselbeck was in town. A lot of the old guard were, were gone. There was what 247 roster moves or something like that in training camp. Just crazy. Whole new team. Um, but we still had problems in the running game. Well, a few weeks into the season, we traded for Marshawn Lynch from the Bills. Marshawn was on his way out of the league, frankly. He had been... Fred Jackson had taken the starting role in Buffalo and Marshawn had gotten into a little bit of trouble and it looked like he was uh, on his way out of the league, but Seattle traded like a fifth round pick and a bucket of chicken for, (laughs) or whatever, you know, a a folding chair or, you know, a bar stool in a water cooler to Buffalo bills and got Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn came in immediately. He was just a physical impact on the team. He was good. Not, you know, he would get better as the years, you know, went on, but he was immediately impactful and it changed the dynamic of the team. Well, through happenstance, we ended up winning the division that year at seven and nine. We were the only team in NFL history to win the division with a losing record. Okay. This is back when the NFC West was far and away the worst division in football. Fast forward 11 years. It is far and away the best division in football. Totally different times now, but at the time, worst division football, and only by the flukiest of fluky flukes did Seattle get into the postseason. And who did they draw for the wild card matchup? The defending champion New Orleans Saints with Drew Brees and Reggie Bush and all them folks, right? 
No way Seattle's going to win that game. No chance. Well, Seattle came out with a game plan that was weird. It was punchy. It was hip. They were throwing different uh, swing routes and and, and, and passing concepts that they hadn't been using all year. The defense still wasn't great, but they were opportunistic. And they went punch for punch with New Orleans for the entire game. Fast forward to late in the fourth quarter. Seattle has the lead and the ball. Uh, and they're looking to, are they looking to run out clock? Are they going to try to go get another score again? What's going to happen? Marshawn goes on his beastquake run where the entire offense in a power run mows down the New Orleans defense. Marshawn gives a little baby stiff arm. And <laughs> as you all recall, we've all <laughs> seen the footage. The seismographs pick up the crowd reaction. He does the whole medic backwards leap into the end zone. Everybody's back there cheering. And that's when you know this game is over. And Seattle has pulled off this ridiculous, unbelievable upset. Um, that was a watershed moment in Seattle sports history, Seattle Seahawks history specifically. Um, it's a personally very meaningful moment for, I think, all three of us because we're all Hawks fans. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's an iconic moment in NFL history too because you just the, it was a David and Goliath moment. There's no way Seattle was even supposed to be in that game. And not only were they in the game, they won the game. Any given Sunday, anybody could beat anybody. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm one of those people that you know that's been that was at the game. Um, we thought, hey, let's get tickets because we could go to a playoff game, and tickets were only like 170 bucks or something like that. It was cheap, and it was just like, ah, we could say we went to a playoff game. When else are we going to be able to go to a Seahawks? playoff game for not a thousand dollars and right. yeah it was just kind of like yeah oh oh yeah matt hasselbeck throws an interception ah, okay they're gonna lose this isn't a big deal we knew this was gonna happen and then it just kept going where no they might they, they're actually like staying in this and i remember the run because it exploded in there and it exploded early on. Like it wasn't like once the touchdown was like certain, it was like when he started breaking tackles, it's going crazy. Um, I remember that our friend Monaco had come with us and it was raining and it was cold and he was still sitting down <laughs> and he was like grumpy because of how cold it was. And it was like, what are you doing? This is like the greatest moment of your life right now. And you're just sitting there like with your arms crossed, like it was, uh, that still makes me angry. I think I, mean, I think I think that kind of sums up Monaco, though. He's <laughs> he's just a wet blanket. Yeah, it's just like this is so much fun. We're all drinking, and our team is winning against all probability. And you're just like, hmm. <laughs> like okay, cool. Wow. <sighs> well, he's not here to defend himself, so I'm not gonna. I'm not. No, gonna he's a little, call he's a little bitch. He's a little bitch sometimes. So yeah, I'll say it. I've I'm known. I've known him a lot. I've known him longer than you guys have, and I'll call him a little bitch to his face. So he, he is he is sometimes. He's still one of my really good friends, but I mean he knows he is. I hope he listens uh, to this podcast. Does he listen? I hope he, he, does, be I hope he does too. He better rate us five stars too. He better rate us five stars and change his life around and stop being a little bitch. And after saying all that, of course, Beastquake is also on my list, just as an FYI. <laughs> okay. I mean Wait, so what number know, is that then for you, Tom? Uh my my number two was uh Griffey uh eight consecutive home runs. Um, but what, uh, so just, I mean, do you have anything else to say about Beastquake? Cause you might as well just get that for your third one. Um, well, yeah, it is my third one. And my, my addition is just like how cheap it was to go to a game. Like that was crazy. <laughs> like, it, I can't even the remember. Ch- 
it was economical. It wasn't cheap. <laughs> like, like one of our friends just offered to sell tickets to us at like face value and it, his are okay are good seats, but it was like a lot of money for two tickets. And it's just like, Oh, and that's not counting parking and drinks. And there's going to be a lot of drinks. So uh, I, I wanted to take him up on that, but it's just too much. And there's nothing like going to the game, uh, but my God, what a hassle. There's also nothing like sitting on the couch and watching the game. That's great too. <laughs> that's yeah. I, 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 that's fun sitting on the couch with you guys and having beers and yelling or, you know, our profanities and whatever saying go team go <laughs> and switching back and forth between that and red zone. Yeah. I hate beer. <laughs> we we no, have a don't. podcast that's devoted to our top five beers. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> How dare you? Okay, well, I think we covered uh, covered quite a bit. I don't think our uh, think I think uh, that's pretty much all we have to say about the beast. Quick, Zach, why don't you uh, why don't you come up with your number two here? Uh, so I and I, I this, this I'm I'm sure this will be on your guys's list too. So feel free to jump in at any point. But uh, 2013 was obviously you know the magical year where we won the Super Bowl and stuff. Technically, the 2012 season, I guess, would it be 2012 2013 or is it 2013 mm, to 2014 season? Thir- it's, it's 13 to 14. I, okay, that's what it is. Because 2012, we went to the uh, NFC chip. No, we went to the divisional no. playoffs. 2012, 2012 was the first year with Wilson and um, Bobby. And yeah. uh, we went to Atlanta in the divisional round. Yeah, exactly. So we won the wild card, then we went to the divisional round. Um, So uh, we played the 49ers in the NFC championship game. Everyone remembers it. Everyone knows what I'm going to talk about. But uh, the tip, Richard Sherman, just the tip. I mean, that was... Absolutely incredible. I, I it, it's so hard for me to remember sports moments so vividly, um, but I know exactly where I was, exactly how I was standing um, and all that stuff going on because I was, you know, I got to see the 2005 Super Bowl year when we when we went. That was really awesome. But I, I, I wasn't living in Seattle um, when I was in Seattle. I saw this game and I went down to this place in, in Belltown. Uh, I had a friend from, he drove all the way up from San Francisco cause he's a huge Seahawks fan. And he came with me, went to this place called the comedy underground to watch the game. It was packed. There were so many 49ers fans around so many Seahawks fans around. Uh, this guy was talking shit in the bathroom when we were all peeing. It was really weird. Uh, he was a 49ers fan. And anyways, you know, we, we thought for sure, as soon as Kaepernick's driving down, we thought for sure, that uh bolden was gonna catch it and because he because kaepernick just fires it in there and then all of a sudden we're like holy shit and we see it and then malcolm smith catches it and gets falls down in the end zone and i just i i i, I blacked out <laughs> yeah we, everyone yeah. was screaming i was hugging random strangers i uh, i was with some friends i met from twitter and we all ran out to the streets in occidental square and it was it was pandemonium. I mean, you know, that punch our ticket to the Super Bowl and everyone was hugging and I was just high fiving people. Tears are coming out of the eyes. It was it was such an awesome time and it was such a good game. And so as much as I can't stand 49ers fans at, at times, I'm sure they can't stand us. Like I respected the hell out of him because like Navarro Bowman played so well. He got injured yeah. that game, but it was just it was such a phenomenal matchup and, and it was really hard to say anything negative you know jim harbaugh versus pete carroll and and, and their bitter bitter rival, rivalry from the stanford usc days so the, the whole what's the deal sort of thing um but it was it was absolutely incredible so yeah the 2013 the tip richard sherman the tip is what i'll call it well yeah you're uh 
you're right. That's my number three. Uh, so I'll just re- circle right. We'll just go right back serpentine on this one. Yeah, it's my number three. <laughs> I remember where I was. I was hanging out with old Tom over at uh, Buddy Jordan's house, and we had the whole crew over there, didn't we? And oh, just yeah. Got everybody over there? Everyone. <laughs> Man, all the folks, Colton and, and was there, and Dan was there, and Jess was there, and hell, I think Mike was there for that one, wasn't he? Uh, I believe Mike made it out for that one, yeah. Yeah, dude, it was, it was, that house went, it wasn't like a huge, like, venue for, for all of us to be packed into their house at the time, but there was like 20 people in there, and we went completely, totally ate shit, and I remember this was the time when, you know, the Marshawn Lynch and the whole Skittles thing, right? <laughs> uh, the big story, dude, we were chucking Skittles everywhere, we were chucking all over their poor house, I feel so bad for Vicky, <laughs> Jordan, uh, we were chucking them outside. Uh, you know, somebody was lighting off fireworks outside. We were running up and down the street. It was pure, just we went ballistic, man. Pandemonium, like you say, um, because it did punch our ticket to the Super Bowl. And it was such a big moment. And the Seahawks have never been better than when the 49ers were great. You know, that rivalry, that was that was when it was it was it was something akin to the Ravens and Steelers from five years prior to that or Niners Cowboys in the nineties or something, you know, something super visceral. The, the hatred is real, you know? Um, and that moment when he's, he's chucking it up to Crabtree cause he had had a, they'd had a really good drive and um, we had some opportunities, to put that game away and, didn't quite get it done. Didn't quite put it away. And they kept matriculating, matriculating, matriculating. And rather than say, you know, spike it and give themselves some time to huddle up, they just cleared it. They got it down to what? The 18 yard line or 12, something like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Rather than take the time to, you know, the clock's ticking down. It's about 18 seconds, whatever have you, or 30 or what, 20 seconds. They had time. They could have spiked it. They could have called timeout. I don't know if they had a timeout or not. Um, point is, is they had time. They didn't have to rush anything, but they chose to. They chose to get to the line and they called the play. It was going to be Crabtree. It was going to be a fade to Crabtree on Sherman. Uh, that's right. Sh- it was Crabtree. It was Crabtree. And I think Bolden was one who just got the grab. Um, yeah. Uh, to put him in that position. So it was going to be Crabtree. He, he saw it the whole time. He launched it up, and, and Sherman knew it too. Launched it up to Crabtree. Crabtree even had a little bit of an offensive PI trying to keep Sherman from <laughs> intercepting that ball. <laughs> Sherman bats it, and he, you know, just per- perfect spatial awareness, knowing where his teammates are. He bats it back into the end zone. Um, he did it intentionally too, because he had done it the year prior. Uh, <laughs> you know. Um, so he'd done it before. He bats it back in. Malcolm Smith is sitting right there, grabs it. Hits the turf, ball game. Um, it, it yeah, it, it's. I don't know if we're ever going to build a statue or you know what what the plans are for that, but that is the most iconic moment in Seahawks history, other than Beastquake. That is the most iconic moment. It's that yeah. Beastquake. It literally uh, punched our ticket to the Super Bowl. So right, so and I'm going to surprise you guys. It is also on my list. Crazy, right? Wow, <laughs> right. crazy. What I, what I tell you. And, what I tell and you. I actually, while I was working today, I watched the entire game on my phone on YouTube. And it, wow. I was actually really surprised at how much of it I could remember, like exactly when it was going to happen. I would be like, 
oh, this is where Colin Kaepernick is going to run for, you know, 50 yards on yeah. that one play. Or God, I hate that play. This is the one where he does, does the jump pass and it gets just over Earl's hand. And I was just like was, calling like every yeah. play. I was like, I, I remember this so vividly. And then I, I also watched the Super Bowl game and I did not remember that as much. Now, I might have gotten a lot more drunk at the Super Bowl because at halftime we were like going crazy already. Yeah. yeah. So. I remember I was taking jello shots because my designated driver kept getting handed jello jello shots. And I was like, yeah. I'll take that. And uh, it was a rough night that night. But that that's was probably why night, I don't buddy. remember the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, that, but yeah, got, that was yeah. – uh, that's the most stressful a Seahawks game has ever been. And most Seahawks games are stressful. <laughs> See, that's the thing. I remember vividly being so nervous heading up into that NFC Championship game. But going into the Super Bowl week, I was weirdly zen. Like, I felt very conf- super stupid confident going into the Super Bowl against the you know, greatest offense of all time, and nobody's giving us a chance. And I'm like, we're, we're going to win. You have no idea the buzzsaw these people are about to run into. I kind of knew it was going to be a blowout. I don't know why. But the, the NFC Championship game, I that was, super, like you said, super stressful. And, yeah, I think it was um, – <laughs> you mentioned the halftime of the Super Bowl when Malcolm Smith, uh, you know, he got his pick six. He ran all the way mm. back. I think that was about the time that we just sort of cut it loose and just started yeah. chugging, chugging, chugging and getting a little crazy. It's like we should just start drinking now. And then they came back from the halftime and run the kickback. And then it's just like, OK, even more shots. Let's do this. Oh, that was it, man. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> that was it. That was curtains. At, so, at yeah, that but point, it's, like at yeah. that point, it was, are they going to score on us? Like, that was the only question. Like, yeah. are they even going to do anything? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think they've ever forgiven themselves for giving up a touchdown. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but that was really funny. Last night, uh, Monday Night Football, really good game. Did you guys see it? Uh, oh, yeah. I, I watched yeah. only the end of it. It was, okay. Well, you Yeah, it was, it, it was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so did you watch the regular ESPN or did you watch the Manning cast? Uh, uh, I watched regular ESPN. Okay. I, so on, yeah. on I watched ESPN the Manning two, cast earlier today. <laughs> okay, so they on ESPN2, they had the Manning cast where Peyton Manning and Eli Manning were hanging out and talking about the game as the game was going on. And early on, they had uh, Ray Lewis there, and they had, um, oh, who else? Uh, Travis Kelsey was there. And then in the late fourth quarter in overtime, they had Russell Wilson. And they were chatting it up, chatting it up, chatting it up. It was, it was great to sit there, you know, watch them go back and forth to talk football. Uh, and I think uh, they were talking about uh, Russell's wife, Sierra, going to the Met Gala last night and enjoying herself. And she was in this beautiful, to, to us and probably hideous to everybody else, <laughs> lime green Seahawks inspired Russell Wilson jersey inspired dress, right? And she's got like a football purse and she's wearing Russell Wilson's Super Bowl ring. Okay. And Peyton goes, hey, there's that ring I wanted to have that you took. <laughs> <laughs> and and, to, and Russ is like, oh, no, I know. Hey, Tom took one I was trying to get, too. And mm. that's okay, because Eli got two that Tom was trying to get. <laughs> it's like, oh, I guess it all worked out. Nice. Uh, I just thought that was I just thought it was funny. Um, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, the, the tip. I could sit here. We could talk about that game uh, forever. I mean, it was uh, iconic. It was important to all of us. Um, we'll never forget that. So. Oh, so where does that leave us? I think that leaves Tom at uh, see at four. That leaves me at three. That leaves Zach at two. So I think we got to turn right around and go back to you again, Zach. 
Cool. Sounds uh, good. Yeah, man. So uh, I will do a personal one. Um, it's the only one that is the most vivid to me. I'm sure I had some other sports moments, like I hit a home run and kiss the kiss the cheerleader or something like that. But um, basically, 2004, my senior year uh, in high school, I was playing football and I went to Mount Vernon. We played at Monroe High School. Uh, we were not good our senior year. We were like 0 and 8 for some reason. We were a good team. It's just it was. I don't know what's going on. We just could not put together a win. And uh, anyhow, the final game of the year, I didn't get to play that much because I was a little undersized. But um, at Monroe, we went there and I was on special teams. So I was on kickoff, kick return, punt, punt return. Um, and then I got to play a little defense here and there. But uh, I was very, very excited to play this game because I just was going to go balls to the wall. And I sure as shit did. On the opening kickoff, I ran as hard as I could. And the coolest thing about kickoff is you just get a barrel down and you get to go tackle a guy. Um, and usually someone's trying to block you, but you're at a full sprint. So it uh, leaves a lot of room for a hash mark, which is just basically decleating someone. So I'm running and I'm running and I'm running. And this kid jumps in front of me. This poor Monroe kid who had to be a sophomore. He looked like he was scared to the dickens. And I looked at him in the eyes and it just was like slow motion. And I lowered my shoulder and laid him out. I decleated him. And I was so excited because I was like, holy shit, that was amazingly awesome. And as I like landed on him and was getting up, I was trying to think of something awesome to say. So I said, welcome to football. <laughs> and then I immediately, I immediately got up and was like, what the fuck did I just say? <laughs> That's so good. Oh. And uh, and then, well, you know, but and it was, I mean, the tackle was made. What I should have done is go for the tackle, but I was just, welcome to football. Oh, that's and so good. Uh, it was crazy. It was so stupid. But, um, you know, him and I had a battle for the rest of the game. Well, it wasn't much of a battle, but I kept doing that. And then there, there was another time that I hit him and I didn't knock him over. But then this other kid comes over and he tries to hit me at like a dead sprint. And all I did was turn. And I laid my shoulder into him and I knocked him over. And the ref goes, 60. And I was like, oh, fuck, I'm in trouble. He's like, nice hit. I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> oh, <that was laughs> Thank nice you. Kind of. Was, you know. And then I told the ref, welcome to refereeing. <laughs> uh, <you laughs> no, did. I didn't say that. Yeah, you did. Oh, man. But it was uh, like, you'll... But it was a fun game, you know, like, and I got to play defense. Um, I got a tackle and uh, it was it was cool. Uh, we won that game. I tackled their leading rusher who was like the Wesco, whatever we we're in Wesco North uh, leading rusher. Uh, he was a big he's a big boy. He was hard to tackle, but I was able to tackle him on a kickoff play. And I was like, sweet. So it was a, it was a fun one. It, good old uh, Bearcats. Where'd you I'm sorry. Where'd you go to high school again? Mount Vernon. Oh, OK. Yeah. Huh. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, welcome to football. That's, that's, that's very good. I'm very happy. To hear. I'm also a little surprised because you are such a WWF fan uh, from back in the day. Uh, I would have figured you had a tagline ready to go, or is it just like you weren't expecting to just decleat somebody like that? Well, I mean, I think, I think I was always a, a, a closeted, pretty solid player for football, but it was it was hard with with my team. And I think that's partly the reason why we were Owen eight or whatever is because our coach just never wanted to change anything. And yeah. he was just too conservative for his play calling. But anyways, um, I remember this kid was starting over. Hey, me. Tom, He's a piece of shit. Familiar? So I'll talk shit to him. And I would I I, <laughs> it I, does. I, I would talk shit to his face, too. But uh, I'll refrain from using his name. But anyways, he um, 
he sucked and he was a starting defensive end. And the only reason he started was because he was taller than I was. This kid got lit up every single time. And in practice, I'm like, how the fuck is this guy starting? And, uh, you know, I, so I, I really showed up during practices and I remember one specifically, I had the same kind of thing where I was on like the, the defensive scout team and, um, I lit up our, like our starting tight end and a few other players. And it just was kind of one of those things that I'm like, yeah, I should, I should unleash this a lot more than I typically do, but I didn't care as much about football in high school. It was, it was always super fun to play, but I was never really super hardcore about it. You know, obviously I could be the whole Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite and be like, if coach would put me in fourth quarter, but I'm, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's not, that's not me. So, but yeah, it was a, uh, it was the welcome to football. Welcome, welcome to, football. to football. So good. <laughs> and it's actually Justin, my co-host on the don't be crazy podcast. I told him that story. And so now he, we, we, that's, that's our thing. We always just say, welcome to football day. <laughs> <laughs> Cause it's kind of a long story. Cause I also called groundhog day. I call it groundhogs day. Um, because for my entire life, I thought it was groundhogs, not groundhog. So he made fun of me and he's like, welcome to groundhogs day. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Football's yeah. day. That's good very good. Day. I like that. Oh, okay. Well, geez. Okay. Well, I think we're just probably going to go back to me again so we can catch up to Tom. Um, I'll go personal. Um, I'm going to go personal on this one a little bit. Um, I got a lot of sports memories, a lot of personal. I played little league baseball for 12 years. I played a bunch of different positions in, in football um, in, you know, the little league played some quarterback. Uh, it was either quarterback or line. Um, Cause I was kind of the chubby kid. Um, and that didn't change going into high school. So I wanted to try to be a receiver, but they're just like, mm, no, Go to line, go to see the line drills over there. Go, 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 go with that. Go with the other fat kids. Okay. Bye. 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 Um, not even a tight end. No, no, no. Go, go be a fat kid. Go over there. So, okay. Um, so not a whole lot of personal, like high school moments and stuff, except I knew I could throw the ball and I'd proven I'd throw the ball. And I knew I was, I was capable of starting, but I was never, I was always behind kids that were, um, you know, they were good, but they, I felt that I was just as good, if not better, but they had gone to the camps. We talked about it on the last podcast. I didn't know the camps were you know, even existed. I didn't know any of that stuff. Um, maybe they were just, you know, the coaches knew the players personal or so. I don't know, but you know, I'm not going to name names, you know, 20 years later, cause whatever, but you know, they, they, they got the start and I didn't get the chance. So I had to kind of be a practice warrior. Right. Um, there was a, in the lineman drills, there's a, what you would commonly be referred to as the ring drill. I can't remember what we called it. Uh, it's the homage, so, but like the bull bull in the ring, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You, but it's, it's uh, instead of lining square up, what you do is everybody's in a ring uh, around the two combatants and you start on your back helmet to helmet hands on your yeah. face mask and you have to roll up and you basically, it's a sumo drill. Really? You right. have to, you have to man up and, and get the guy out of the ring. Okay. Um, some players were better than others. And some were really, really big. I remember old Luke Wareheim was a big old hoss, mm. and you know, <laughs> yeah, dude, he was huge. A um, lot of big dudes, a lot of strong dudes. Brandon Fenter was just a just a toss, but nobody, nobody could beat me at that drill. Nobody, because I wasn't the biggest and I wasn't the strongest, but I was the meanest. And you were not getting me out of that drill. You had to, it took like five dudes to get me out of the ring. So that's why I was just like, I, you know, I, and that's why it was one of my top moments is that 
to kind of with the coach standing right there to prove like to myself and to him, I knew he saw it that I can do this. I am, I am a starter. You should be playing me. Uh, give me your five best players and I'll kick their fucking ass right here in front of you. And I did. So that's one of my personal uh, moments. It's not something that will show up on a highlight or whatever. It's just a, it, it was impactful and meaningful for me that I knew I proved to myself that I can do it. Even if I didn't get anything out of it um, uh, in terms of playing time, uh, I made the coach out to be a bitch in front of the rest of the team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I feel very good about it to this day. So that's uh, uh, that's my number four. I'm trying to remember the name of that drill because I remember the drill and I know it had I, a, it had I, a I very would, specific name. It, it yeah. did. And I know I was good at it until the other person got to a certain size because I was only like 155, 160 pounds back then. Yeah. So once they started getting, you know, up to the like 190, it was like, well, this just this isn't going to happen anymore. I'm sorry. Right. And, that, and that's, <laughs> just and that's pretty that's and that's where I was playing at was about 190. And, you know, I could I could take Luke out, you know, big as he was uh, just because I was. You know, I was almost as strong as he was, but I was also, like I said, meaner. Uh, Fenter was the one that gave me the hardest time. He was like the star of the whatever. And Ross Fay as well. And bless their hearts, I kicked the shit out of them. They couldn't They couldn't take me in that drill. <laughs> Nobody could. You know, unless, unless I went with all the big guys back to back to back to back to back, only by like the sixth guy could finally get me out of there. So finally, when I'm just too tired, I'm like, okay, yeah, fine, you win. <laughs> you <know? laughs> but nobody one-on-one could score up and take me out. Uh, what about uh, your number four there, Zach? Yeah, so we, I did those two. We did those. Uh, I think we just called them like bull, bull in the ring or whatever. But I vividly remember like as you were talking about it. I'm just for the sake of this. I'm just going to call it bull, bull in the ring. Yeah. Um, I, I vividly remember, you know, laying on shitty grass and having to, you know, roll over, turn up and then hit somebody. It was super dangerous because if you don't get up <laughs> quick enough, you're getting your head just fucking knocked over. And I got a concussion yep. in youth football. Yes, you but, yeah. Scared, scared the, scared the dickens out of me. Yeah, that, that's um, a. I don't know if they still do that drill or not. Maybe they canceled it. I don't know, but because it is yeah. very, it's a dangerous drill. I mean, it's a combat. Oh, drill. it's super dangerous. You're fighting. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you they just happen it. to be. You, yeah, yeah, you're just happen to be in pads, but you're you you have to fight that fucker. So. Yeah. So huge baseball fan. So I'm going to go back to baseball. But uh, 2012, um, I was working for uh, I think QFC at the time, and I or Fred Meyer, and I had a random Wednesday off, and I was living in Seattle, uh, and I was just it was a it was an afternoon game that was playing. I'm like, huh, I should go to the Mariners game today. That would be kind of fun. And no, I'm just going to go to the gym instead. Go to the gym, watch the Mariners game a little bit uh, while I'm there. I'm coming home. It's a fifth inning. Turn on the radio. Uh, Rick Riz is like, everybody, hang on, because something special's brewing up. And I am just like, what the hell? So then I go and I turn on the TV from the fifth inning on until the ninth. I am watching Felix Hernandez pitch a perfect game. And it was one of the most magical moments I've ever had as a sports fan. Um, I will piggyback off of that on another one, but it's the perfect game is my choice. But um, basically seeing him play, it was against the Rays. It was on August uh, 15th, 2012. Uh, Seeing him strike out everybody. Seeing Eric Eric Thames uh, make this ridiculous catch that was pretty much one of the only fly ball outs of the game. I mean, 27 up, 27 down. He was like the 37th pitcher in, in all of baseball to ever do it. Um, it was it was phenomenal. And 
I had tears in my eyes. I was crying at home. I was jumping with joy. I did not yeah. move from my couch because I'm superstitious. I did not move from my couch for at least two solid innings because I did not want anything negative to happen. Uh, Felix was just perfect. And I've met him like three times. I love the guy to death. He's he's one of my favorite Mariners of all time. I, I really wanted to get him to the playoffs because we wasted all of his good years, but really, really phenomenal. And so to to compound that, to follow up on that, the other incredibly bittersweet and beautiful moment was seeing Felix pitch his final game with the Mariners at T-Mobile Park a few years ago, or it was a couple years ago. And um, that was that was really, really heartbreaking because everyone got shirts. They made a whole like Felix night out of it. Uh, just seeing him come in for one more out and, and get out of the jam, get out of the inning. And then the whole stadium is just cheering for him. He comes out. He's got tears in his eyes. There wasn't a dry eye in the house. I kid you not. Me and my friends around me are hugging. And it just was, it was so bittersweet to see the end of an, an era here in Seattle. But yeah, we will always be, be gifted with that, that amazing moment in 2012 with his perfect game. There were times when Felix Hernandez stepped on that mound and he was absolutely unhittable. I almost added that on this list. I was working at Comcast at the time. I was working that day. It was during the day. Um, I was blessed that I had access to a TV because working at Comcast and working tech support, <laughs> if somebody calls in and says their channel's all screwed up, you can turn to the channel and see it right there. <laughs> so I spent a lot of my day watching TV. <laughs> it was a great job. If only they paid me more, I'd still be doing it. Anyway. Uh, so I, I turned it on there. I'm pretty sure I, I, I like canceled out of calls. I think I stopped taking calls for like I'm on break or whatever for like the last three innings, um, as this was going on. Um, as I said, there were times when Felix Hernandez was, I remember one time where he had four strikeouts in one inning. Do you remember that? Uh, he threw, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, he threw three straight strikeouts and then on the third one, the dude, like uh, the catcher, dropped it. And the guy it got a pass the first. ball. Yeah, yeah, it's pass ball. And then on the like on the fourth strikeout, like he's walking away back to the dugout before the pitch had even got to the plate. <laughs> there were times when Felix, you remember this? Yeah. There were times <laughs> when when Felix was on, he was absolutely unhittable. He is one of those special all time talents that, I mean, we had to treasure him while. And that's why there was there wasn't a dry eye in the house. I was tearing up too here watching it. I was just there's no for Felix to do that in that moment. Um, it's just it's just a really really special thing. He deserved it. He earned it. He was awesome. He, he yeah he was perfect for the first five innings in his next start too. I think wasn't he? Yeah, um, yeah he was a, he's just a special all time uh, Mariner great that. Um, I know there's this blog called Lookout Landing. It's for SB Nation. They're the uh, Mariners SB Nation uh, site. Mm -hmm. And uh, their tagline for the longest time was Russell Wilson, or sorry, no, uh, Felix Hernandez is ours and you can't have him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, Felix Hernandez is ours and you can't have him. But, you know, I did a Freudian Russell Wilson thing there. That's basically who he was to the Mariners. He was just the icon. He was the guy through. Man, through some really bad years of Mariners baseball, every fifth outing, you had somebody to go watch. You know? Yeah, he's just I mean, it was just a bummer because we had really good pitching and he would 
have no decisions. And in, in baseball to win a Cy Young, well, it's not, it's not like that anymore, no. but you know, your win record does count, which is such bullshit because you could be a mediocre pitcher with a good offense and you'd have a lot of wins. And so he just, he did a lot and he had a lot of no decisions or one, yeah. one run wins or losses. And it was love, very frustrating to see. A lot of the reasons that changed is because of Felix and because of what happened to him, because he had so many no decisions and you know, whatever, where there was just, I remember some talking head on ESPN be like, well, if he was a good enough pitcher, he'd find a way. What the hell are you talking about? He can't make dudes like, you know, knock in RBIs and shit. Like, what what are you talking about? This is he has no control over that. So I remember. Uh that's that's a that's a really good one. That's great. Okay. We're going through the last of our list here. Tommy, what's your number five? Uh, I didn't think that I would be ending on a personal one, but we kind of just kept hitting ones that were also on my list. So this personal one is during flag football. Zach knows all about flag football. Um, but I'm actually not going to do the one that Zach has made fun of me for, <laughs> even though it had a great slow spin move in it. Um, I'm actually going to go with a game where I got, I think I ha- ended up with six sacks. So going into this game, we had a guy who would play for our team sometimes, Wade. Wade is a natural athlete. He's great. He's also a huge flake. And he would show up to games and he'd be great. And then he would text us like 10 minutes before games and be like, I don't think I can make it. And it'd be like, well, thanks for the heads up. So one day Wade says, I can't make it. And, he just, and I say, you know what? I'm going to play defensive end or defensive tackle. And I'm going to be the Wade today. And I was just joking around because I, at this point, not the most gifted athlete. I've got an extra 80 pounds from high school on me, but it's all about your opponent. So for some reason, they had a guy who was like 140 pounds playing center. I don't know why they, they decided to put the smallest guy on their team at the like key role. He would hike the ball and he wouldn't get his head up and I would just throw him out of the way. And in our flag football league, you would start on the goal line. And if you get a safety, you lose two downs. And I got three safeties that game because I would just throw the guy out of the way, run in, grab the guy's flag and just be like, that was fun. Want to do that again? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. It it took them until halftime to like make a change. Like they saw that something was going wrong (laughs) and they were just like, huh, what could stop this guy from sacking us? Is it, is it, should we hike the ball differently or what should we do? Um, But it was one of those glorious times where I felt like an elite athlete. Like that's probably how like JJ Watt feels against normal, like NFL players where he's just (laughs) like throwing them out of the way. And it just felt so good. And it also felt terrible when they put somebody who was closer to my size on the line and I did a lot worse. I didn't do bad, but I did a lot worse. <laughs> Man. Oh, that's pretty good. That's, that's good. That's a really good personal memory. I'm glad you, I'm glad you finished off with, with a personal memory, Tom. I think I remember that game too, actually, now that you, you talk about it. There yeah, were, it, uh, yeah, that was, that was cool. Was that with, with that? Was that with redemption? Redemption two? Yeah, I think it was redemption too. We, we we weren't a great team, but that was mostly because we didn't practice and we had different players every week. <laughs> we weren't a bad team though. I mean, we we held up with some of the good teams. It's just that's, it was kind of like true. you know, 
but I those... had a lot of those moments just like yours, Tom. But I, I do remember that now. It's like coming back to me as you say it. I'm like, oh, yeah, Tom's like Wade. <laughs> yeah, it was just like I was just dominating. It was just like, I don't know what's <laughs> happening, but I hope it keeps happening. <laughs> nice. It was awesome. Uh, okay. Well, I think I'm going to go into my number four. And I, it's been killing me that we couldn't come with the name. Bull in the Ring, I think, is the most common name uh, for that drill that I was telling you about. Uh, it also reminded me of another drill we used to run, the Oklahoma drill. You mm. remember that? Of course. Yeah, basically just a running back and a linebacker and two linemen in the middle, and you just had to fight in an enclosed space. And these drills are all banned now. You can't do it anymore uh, because of like CTE or whatever. I don't know. But, you know, she's killing kids, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> moving on to my final number five. Uh, back in 2012, it's another Seahawks memory. Back in 2012, you know, this were. We had Tavares Jackson in 2011. Uh, Hasselbeck was gone. He was off to Tennessee. We were still very much looking for our next quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks. And I remember discussing it with you guys. I remember just debating it with Mike and Dylan and Jordan and, and a bunch of other friends and my family. And, you know, talking about I was very in tune. I think we all knew that we were going to take a quarterback at some point in the draft. I remember everybody talking about RG three, he was the big, you know, big name, the 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 guy who was going to go you know, higher, uh, maybe even higher than Andrew Luck. No, no, no. Andrew Luck is a once in a generation talent, right? Andrew Luck got identified, and there was no way in hell we were ever going to get up to number one to go get it because the Colts had sucked for Luck and they had lost Peyton, and they went into Andrew Luck, and that was that. They were getting him, so maybe we trade up to go get RG three. I remember thinking about that because RG three was a special kind of talent coming out of Baylor. Um, but that was unlikely. Didn't We didn't have the idea that Schneider and Carroll were going to trade all the way up, right? Um, they had tried to get Peyton Manning in, as a free agent, but that didn't work out. He ended up going to Denver. Uh, we ended up getting Matt Flynn from Green Bay, who had had an amazing uh, Week 17 game in uh, the regular season in uh, 2011. Um, signed him to a relatively decent deal, not a huge, expensive mega contract like people say but you know a pretty good free agent deal to come on in and he was ostensibly going to be the starter but it's like well he's going to compete with t-jack r.i.p t-jack by the way Mm. um all t-jack did was he was a warrior for us in 2011 he wasn't the best quarterback we ever had but he put his body out there he did his very best so all the respect in the world to to Tavares jackson but he wasn't going to be the franchise quarterback so we tried Matt, you know, we brought in Matt Flynn, and he was going to, he was ostensibly going to compete with T Jack, and it was pretty much a guarantee he was going to be the starter. Okay. But we all knew we were going to draft a quarterback. So I dove into it and I looked into it a lot of what quarterback could possibly be available as we, as we all did. Okay. And I had my eye on two guys who I thought were reasonable that we could go get. Ryan Tannehill might fall to us in the first round. Failing that, I had my eyes on Russell Wilson. Now, part of that's because Mike Salk on uh, 710 uh, ESPN had talked about him. Russell Wilson had made a name for himself in college football. He was big at NC State. He did the college football version of free agency at the time and ended up at Wisconsin. Immediately got named captain, set all the college efficiency records. But everyone's like, well, he's too short. He's only 5'10", 5'11". And it's like, he's not going to be able to throw behind an NFL offensive line. I looked into it. Wisconsin's offensive line was bigger than Seattle's. Okay. <laughs> the University of Wisconsin's offensive line was bigger than the Seattle Seahawks' offensive line. So I'm like, 
hold your tits. This could be a guy. He's going to be available in the in in the middle rounds. Do we do we spend a second round pick on him? Do we hope for a third? Whatever. I became convinced he had to be the guy. He was the guy. He can do everything. If he was an inch and a half taller, he'd be the number two or number three pick. Okay. So I'm telling Mandy, we got to get Russ. I'm telling everyone, got to get Russ. Got to get Russ. So the day we drafted Russell Wilson. I'm sitting in the living room at our apartment in Linwood, and I am freaking as it's getting to pick 75. <clears throat> and I see teams are moving up, and I'm like, oh, God. And, and we finally get to him, and the dude in uniform gets out there. They, we draft Russell Wilson. Ask Mandy. I stripped naked and started fleeing through the house. And I was going to flee out of the house until Mandy stopped me. But <laughs> it, I knew. I knew that we just got our franchise quarterback. I knew he was going to be great. I didn't know how good. Maybe he's even better than I thought he would be, but hes I knew he was going to be great. Uh, so that moment that we drafted Russell Wilson was one of the happiest moments of my life. I knew we, we had our guy. So that's my number five. So, Zachary, what about you? What is your final number five? Very nice. I dig it. I also like it. Yeah, I, I absolutely love Russell Wilson with all my heart. And I remember it. I remember his wife, that meme. It was ex-wife, that meme doing that. Rawr, the dinosaur yell. So um, <laughs> what, 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 what an amazing moment, you know, and, and history in the making. Absolutely. So for me, my final one, um, I, I really love golf. Uh, I, I used to play it a lot. And in 1997, Tiger Woods won his first Masters at the age of 21, the youngest uh, player ever to win a Masters championship. Um, and then he also, uh, you know, he won the U S open PGA championship and the players championship that same year. So he, uh, he's just dominant. I mean, that, that, that's when it started his, his reign supreme of dominancy. And, um, it was, it was pretty incredible. I was a huge Tiger Woods fan. I still am a huge Tiger Woods fan. I remember a few years back when he won the masters again, I was, I had a fever and I was just feeling like shit, but I turn on the TV and I'm like, Oh my God, what is happening? Is this 1997? So uh, it was really, really cool. So yeah, the 97 Masters Tournament, Tiger Woods wins at the age of 21 was one of the coolest moments in sports. Wow. that's Yeah, it's great. I mean, anything with Tiger Woods, I, I remember him uh, winning some of those as well. I've never been a huge golf fan. Oh, yeah. uh, never never really played it. Uh, haven't really sat down to watch it a lot, but yeah, that's great. Yeah. You know, he's, he's one of the I- iconic sports figures of the last couple of decades. I agree. He's incredible. Um, sweet. Well, yeah, that's all I have, guys. Do you guys have anything else to add? Uh, no, I don't. To recap, uh, Tom has his glory hole. Tom's glory is what I call it. Uh, Griffey's eight consecutive home runs. He had the Beastquake run, the 2013 Seahawks, the tip. And then uh, when Tom went, went Wade Wyrick and had five sacks. Eric has Nolan Ryan beating the, the poopy out of Robin Ventura. Uh, Beastquake. The 2013, the tip, um, when he did the bull in the ring, uh, I guess, what would you call it? Drill when he was younger. Yeah. And, and he just he just pulverized and embarrassed the coach also. Um, and then drafting Russell Wilson, which was iconic. And then Zach, uh, I had the 95 slide slash the Edgar's double. 2013, the tip. 2014, welcome to football when I played against Monroe High School. Felix Hernandez is perfect game. And then Tiger Woods winning his first Masters championship. Cool. Yeah, Eric, I, you want to go ahead and take us home? 
Alrighty, thank you for tuning in to the Top 5 Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Podcast Top 5, at ZachDale60, at TomTop5, at E underscore Shane, where you can give us ideas, tell us if we are crazy, or even suggest a topic for a future episode. If you enjoyed today's episodes, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. Thank you, and remember, you know, it's okay to be wrong. Some people think they're right every once in a while, but it's okay to be wrong. <laughs> Get out the rye bread and mustard. It's a grand salami. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> there you go. See ya. See ya. Bye.